And it is a passage about gratitude. One of the reasons I've asked Ruby to join me in speaking is because she's a, a truly grateful person and models it beautifully well, although she tells me that she does moan occasionally, but um, I don't believe that. Um, over the weekend, if you're a sports fan, you will have had highs and lows, I'm sure. Uh, we won't mention the rugby too much, uh, but we are going to mention football, which might be a surprise with me standing here. Um, but, you know, I'm known as a pundit in many uh, areas of, uh, of football life. Um, and um, when we look at this business of everyday you, everyday us, worshipping God wherever we are, doing everything in the name of Jesus, there'll be times when we think, do you know what, that, that comes quite naturally. You know, maybe when we're by the sea or when we see a beautiful scene or we're with a child and we just think, I worship you, God, for this gift. But there might be times for the competitive ones amongst us uh, when actually that seems to slightly slip away and we find it hard to live for God's glory. And there's and this beautiful passion, this beautiful passage in uh, Colossians is one of my favorites in the Bible because Paul is just saying, here's how we can live beautifully and distinctively for the name of Jesus. And the good news is, and we'll come to that in a moment, the good news is we will do it, as Helen has already sung over us, out of the love that Christ has for each one of us. But actually, let the overflow let God's life overflow into our lives. One of the things I like about that word overflow is that it's effortless. It's out of the receipt of God's love for us that that overflow comes. Um, I read last week of two Chinese brothers. It's a true story. Um, two Chinese brothers. And one gets very much caught up in criminal activity. And so much so that he's involved in a horrific armed robbery and runs to the only place where he knows he'll be let in. He's stained with blood. It's very obvious that he's been part of the crime. And he runs to his brother's home. His brother looks very similar to him, just a couple of years older than him. And he knows his brother will let him in and sure enough his brother lets him in but just as his brother lets him in the police are after him and he rips his clothes off the guy that is guilty because obviously they're blood-stained it's a giveaway the DNA if you like is all over them and quick as a flash the brother puts the clothes on himself now that brother was executed for the crime that his brother committed. And I don't know what your sibling relationships are like. I, I certainly love my sister, but that's another level, isn't it? In terms of what we would do. And when we think of Jesus, I think that he's a beautiful example of someone we were undeserving. Some of you, even when you heard that story, might have thought, well, that's outrageous. You know, that's not justice. And it's not. You know, Christianity is based on something that actually we are undeserving people, totally enriched and blessed and saved by the grace of Jesus. And actually his clothes were kind of torn. They were ripped. His body was ripped when he was on the, on the cross. He took on our shame. If you like, he took those bloodied clothes from the floor and put them on himself. And so when we look at living lives of worship, if anyone had done that for you, just picture it, picture the scene. I find this helpful in how I worship God. Picture the scene, put yourself there when your brother puts those clothes on and says, take me, and is taken away. I'm pretty sure every single one of us would say, I will live the rest of my life to his memory. 
If I can do nothing else, I will live a life that stands, that is grateful, that says that actually it's not okay that he had to do that, but nevertheless he did it. And that's what I love about this passage, that in a way Paul's saying it's out of the overflow, it's out of this grace, it's out of this mercy, it's out of a heart, a thankful heart that says every day, I am blessed because I'm forgiven. Because he took those clothes for me and exchange them with righteousness. The passage says, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, to do it all in the name of Jesus. To do everything, whether it is that plumbing job, whatever it is, that it's our act of worship. Um, I told you I was in a footballing mood, and the the theme continues. Um, This is a Liverpool player, apparently. Um, And (laughs) he says this, Why would I want 10 Ferraris, 20 watches, or two planes? I survived hard times, played football barefooted, did not have an education, But today, I can help my people build schools, stadiums, and buy clothes and food. I prefer my people receive some of what life has been given to me. Um, What life has given to me. And I I, I find that quite rare. As I said, I'm not uh, an expert. But I find that quite rare, perhaps, in the football world. But I reckon that's someone who enjoys his job. Don't you? He enjoys it. He hasn't let entitlement cloud his vision. He hasn't become one of the footballers that says, oh, I'm entitled to this. He's doing it for worship out of a place of gratitude, out of a place of thanksgiving. And actually, this passage is saying the same thing. Whatever we're doing, let's do it and be thankful. And in our world, and we've said this many times in this room, it's increasingly hard to do to actually be those natural worshippers that put aside what entitlement might look and actually say we are blessed. Because we are, aren't we? Incredibly blessed in the West here and incredibly privileged. And sometimes I think we forget that. And as Christians, if we are Christians today, we forget the privilege of worship. The presence of God was in the temple in the Old Testament, and the sin of the people of Israel drove the presence from the temple. And Ezekiel, the prophet, said that it would find its home again in a living temple. And when in the book of Ezra, the people built a second temple, we're told that they wept. And one of the commentaries I read says that the people wept because they knew something wasn't quite right, that actually there was something missing. And what Ezekiel is talking about is the fact that actually Jesus enters into us as the living temple. When Jesus enters the story of the Bible in the New Testament, what happens is the temple becomes us. That as he dies, as he takes on that sin that we've talked about, the curtain of the temple is ripped into and we can have him living in us. And as I look out on you, he lives in every single one of you that confess his name today. So we're the living temple. And as we're gathered now, he will refresh us to go out into those places of worship, holding that Holy Spirit with him, within us. That whoever we're talking to, 
Whatever the encounter that we have, people will meet with Jesus. I love some of the words that are spoken about shaping my life to your design. That when we go into our workplace, we might say, shape this place to your design. May I model your kindness. May people know Jesus through my presence. Because we're there, they meet with Jesus. Incredible, miraculous, even on our bad days, but true. He gives us words to speak about him. And let our lives overflow with him. We're going to go on now to look at uh, the bit about slaves. And I've uh, given that to Ruby. That was kind of me, wasn't it? Because that's quite a tricky bit. Uh, But Ruby's going to take us through that. So let's welcome Ruby uh, as she comes and shares with us. But it's 
hasn't walked. God is not. God is not checking our mistakes or catching us out. Instead, he is looking out for us. He wants to help us with things we want difficult and to overcome them. You might have visited a cathedral. You might have seen these words as you entered to you are now entering a place of worship as usual entering today. This doesn't make sense to me because actually a place of worship can be anywhere in a car, at home, at work. But worship is not a, not just about worship. No, sorry, it's not about music. It's about teaching God in everything you do. I'm sure if I'm doing something I don't want to do, it's easy to mourn. But we forget that Jesus God is interested whatever we do. God has given me a chance to be to my teacher and citizen about church and new wine and to my friend about how to pray. Sometimes it's hard to stand out from a crowd and worship God in different everyday places but he is here to help us do that alright I got a question for you how does it make you feel to know that God is 
alright watching you take a few minutes to chat with the people around you now. Okay, now Mosley did very well, no pressure, but uh, I would like to hear from you. Wave at me if you've got an answer, please. Or I'll uh, come with the microphone anyway. Who, who's got an answer for me coming to the back? Yes, thank you. Um, I, I think for me, it's, um, it's a reminder that God is near and it's an encouragement uh, and a comfort to, to know that he is watching over us. Brilliant, so that's a positive one. Feeling love, feeling comfort, Sue. I think it's good because um, he's watching out of grace and not judgment. But I, I've got more of a problem with that crowd of witnesses in Hebrews 12. Uh, they say they're watching us. I, I've got more problem with them than with God. <laughs> well, we haven't got time for that now, Sue, I'm afraid. <laughs> Very good point. Brilliant. Anyone else? Anyone else over this side? Come on, people. This is Ruby's question. I think she'll be very affronted. Um, we were just saying our Sue was, if we didn't what the other Sue said, um, just that that question almost, um, it, it helps you in that we can kind of as people be quite judgmental and we look at situations through our own human eyes. But if we really grasp and think about that and understand that and know that God isn't looking at us like that, he is looking at us with grace and love every day, it kind of really helps us to look at other situations in that way too and to see through God's eyes rather than our own. Brilliant. And um, Rob Thompson actually last week said that if he could have a video and watch his children wherever they were, uh, whatever they were doing, he said that would be the best thing because, not because I want to check up on them, but because I want to delight in every new experience that they're having. And I think as we hold that picture of mercy that God, as Ruby has so brilliantly reminded us, God wants to see us because he loves us. And he wants us to discover things uh, with him. So Ruby and I have made a sign with a little help from uh, a friend who will be nameless. Um, and this is the sign that you saw when you came in. And uh, the reason we've made that, Ruby, our beautiful colouring in, is because we want to put it outside uh, as you leave this place today uh, as a reminder of what Ruby has shared with us, that we are now entering a place of worship as we go out. That yes, we've worshipped here in one way, in sung worship, as Ruby said, but we leave here to worship God in word and deed and thought in everything we do. Uh, from that grateful heart, uh, that place of gratitude. Uh, there's a lovely poem, uh, a kind of prayer poem, uh, that I'd love to read uh, from Pete Gregg. So I'm just going to change uh, microphones. Um, Pete Gregg, as some of you know, has written a brilliant book, uh, which I keep recommending, and I will stop eventually when you've all read it. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's really revolutionized my prayer life. And uh, he just writes this beautiful kind of poem prayer about what life can be like when we engage with worship in the small things as well as in the big. He says this, Light a fire tonight. Make your coffee strong. I like that bit. Stretch your limbs. Write someone a letter with a real pen. Play Love Supreme by John Coltrane and play it loud. And should you happen to see a vapour trail at dawn or a lawn cut in stripes or an ornate tattoo or the iridescent flash of pink on a pigeon's head, I'd struggle with that one, stop and stare in wide-eyed wonder like a child. Hallow the fleeting hours of this sacred pulse 
with an oratory of sighs, a liturgy of hugs and whoops of laughter, believe again in the fundamental goodness of things, transubstantiated for us, receive again each day as a blessed sacrament. Isn't that beautiful? Receive each day as a blessed sacrament. And as we come to a close, we are going to respond to uh, what we've seen in this passage through Ruby's eyes and through what God has taught us, that actually we have a gift. We have a gift in each other to be that gathered temple now, that temple that was first prophesied in Ezekiel, from which all of worship would flow into all of our lives to beautify and reorder the places where we've been sent to.